Someone also said this, never underestimate the power of human stupidity. <laughs> Let me show you a picture so you can understand what I'm talking about. You see this woman? I don't know how many of you heard about this story. This is a woman, and it would have to, of course, be in New York. <laughs> a New Yorker who wanted to boost her Instagram account, so she climbs into the, this enclosure of the lion, and she begins taunting the lion. Stupid, isn't it? Now, I know to some of you parents, you teach your children, that's a bad word. But in her case, you never underestimate the power of human stupidity, someone said. And here's another one that came across. Never underestimate the value of cold cash. My father grew up with that. My father never owned a credit card. My father believed cash is king. And so my father believed because of cash, you never should pay whatever price was on the ticket of whatever you wanted to buy. So one day, my parents needed a new refrigerator, so they went to an appliance store. And so my father approaches the man, uh, the salesman, and he said, we want this refrigerator. How much is it? And the guy points to the tag on the price, uh, the price on the tag. And he, my father said, not that price. What's the cash price? I want to pay cash. And the man, again, I'm sorry, sir, that's the price. So my father takes out a wad of bills, and now he lifts up his voice in this store full of people, and he says, don't you understand? I got cash. My family walks away, <laughs> and totally embarrassed. Cash, I got cash money. How much is cash money? Get the manager, I got cash. So the guy gets the manager, I want to buy this. How much is it? And the guy said, there's the price. I got cash. And he kept going, and the guy kept dropping the price, and he kept saying, I got cash. And finally, the guy offered him the price that he was willing to pay. And then he puts, takes out his wallet, gives $20 down. Here's $20 down. I'll pay you when you deliver it. <laughs> true story. That's a true story. Never underestimate the value of cold cash. Now, what does never underestimate have to do with our message today? Well, we've been in this series called uh, Remarkable as we've taken this little journey through the gospel of Mark. And today we are going to look at chapter 7, beginning in verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. 
He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephrata, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Father, we come before you now. We thank you for this moment. God, I come before you and I pray for your grace to abound in my life, for the leading and guidance of your spirit so that I would say only what you want me to say. God, I pray for all of us. We need the help of the Holy Spirit, not just to physically hear, but more importantly to hear with our heart what you would have us to hear today, Father. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. And everyone say with me, amen. amen. All right. So we had just read, Jesus now went to this area called the Decapolis, which really translated means 10 towns. So it was a combination of 10 small towns that Jesus went to, which, by the way, was not part of Israel. It was uh, a Gentile uh, uh, area. Uh, and so Jesus goes into this area. And as we read, some people brought to him, a man who was deaf, who could not hear, and also had a speech impediment. And they begged Jesus to, to touch the man, in other words, to heal the man. Interesting now, Jesus takes the man aside, away from the crowd, and there he now puts his fingers into the man's ear, and then he spits on his finger, and then he touches his finger to the man's tongue. He prays, be opened, and immediately the man could hear and he could begin to speak clearly. And everybody was so amazed that they began to actually praise the Lord, say, he has done everything well. That's our text that we want to look at today, and it reveals some things that you and I should never underestimate. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's begin by looking at the place, the Decapolis. This is a place, as I mentioned, that was a Gentile place. It was not part of Israel. So the question is, how did these people know who Jesus was? I mean, how did they know to bring this man to Jesus to heal them? Well, we'd have to go back to Mark chapter 5. You remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, where there was a man there who was under control of many evil spirits, and Jesus had set him free. And this man that Jesus set free wanted to follow him. But Jesus instructed him, no, you go home and tell your people what the Lord has done for you. And so now we look at Mark chapter 5 and verse 20, and the Bible says there, so the man went away and began to tell in where? The Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And listen, all the people were amazed. So this man 
whom Jesus set free from all of this evil influence, goes home, and his home happens to be this Decapolis, these ten uh, towns, and he tells everybody what the Lord had done for him. Now we go all the way, some time has passed, and now Jesus comes into the Decapolis, and so we realize that one man's story, what Jesus had done for him, prepared the, the people's hearts so that the Lord, when he visited, they would be open and come to him. And so the first point I want to make with us is that you and I should never underestimate, listen, the potential of your story of your testimony. That's, number, that's our first point. Never underestimate the potential of your story, of your testimony. And what we're talking about that, what I mean by that is what Jesus Christ has done for you. The potential that that has to impact lives. Your story, what Jesus has done for you, what Jesus has done for me, it has the potential to inspire people to believe in the Lord. Now, listen, it's important that I also stress this. Your story doesn't have to be sensational in order to inspire people. By that, I mean, sometimes we think, well, okay, I can understand that, Pastor. I mean, that guy was under control of a lot of evil spirit. That is certainly a sensational, powerful story. Uh, but I don't have that kind of a story. Your story, Pastor, well, you were a former drug addict and drug dealer, and God got a hold of your heart. That's a very powerful story. I could see that being an influence in people's lives. And so, but me, I never did drugs, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. I didn't lead that kind of life, so I don't have a sensational story. That is a lie, right from the pit of hell. Every story is a sensational story. Every story. Your story, you may think it's not sensational, but listen, you may say, well, for me, I mean, I was just in a place where I felt empty inside, and, and I knew that something was missing in my life, and one day somebody told me about Jesus and all, and, and I gave my heart, and man, uh, he brought that inner joy, that inner satisfaction. Now, that may not sound sensational, but it will be sensational if the next person that hears it is empty inside. And now realizes you are talking about what they're missing. And if they now open their heart to Jesus, how many would agree that my story was sensational? You see, so it's important that you and I recognize your story doesn't have to be sensational for it to inspire people to believe, you see. So never underestimate the potential of your story. Now we look at this area that Jesus is in, and as he comes into these towns, the Bible says, some people. Come on, say that with me. Some people. Now, we don't know what that was. We don't know if it was two, three, four. We don't know. But some people brought this man to Jesus and begged him to heal the man. A man's life was forever changed because some people were bold enough to bring him to Jesus and to publicly beg for his life. I want you to think about that. Let that sink in for a moment. Because some people 
were courageous and bold enough to bring this man to Jesus. And then in front of, remember, they're still among the crowd. In, in front of all these other people, they unashamedly begged Jesus to heal him. Because of that, this man walked away healed. You see. Now, the interesting thing about this is, remember, they were not Jews. And yet, because of their boldness, because of their courage and unashamedly pleading, they received from the Lord what they wanted, what they desired. My second point, never underestimate the potential of prayer. Now, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? But think about it. If some people, those in the Bible that brought this man, who were not part of God's people, who were Gentiles, if they received what they asked for, how much more will we, God's people, receive what we ask for? You see, I think the problem we have is that there are so many times we underestimate the potential of our prayer. We don't believe, uh, like our story may, may not be sensational, we believe, well, I, I'm not really a good prayer. I, my prayers are really not going to affect anybody or impact anybody's life because I really don't pray well. I, I'm not eloquent in my praying. I don't think you'll find one verse. In fact, and I don't think, I know you won't find one verse in this Bible that te teaches you the key to your answered prayer is eloquence. You won't find it. Answered prayer has nothing to do with eloquence, you see. And so we listen to what the Bible does say in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Again, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. You see, because these some people were not religious, I'm sure, I am positive that their begging, their praying, in other words, to the Lord, was not refined. We need to get out of this mindset that in order to be heard by God, in order to receive from God, that, that we have to have a certain refinement when we pray. We don't have to quote scriptures, as wonderful as that is. We don't have to be eloquent. All we need is a sincerity in our heart and a faith to believe that what we ask for, we will receive. And so, and so what we're looking at here is the Lord responded to these people simple because they dared to approach him and to beg him publicly before people. I am asking the Lord to help us all today to never underestimate the potential of our praying. It's even in a public place. We go, well, I, you know, I, I'm afraid of sounding foolish. If you are afraid of sounding foolish when you pray, then I would submit to you that you need to consider this. You have the wrong attitude. Your focus is on yourself, not on God. Because when the focus is on God, you don't care what you sound like. 
When your focus is on somebody else's need, you don't care what it sounds like. I was talking to uh, Pastor John, our former youth pastor, who now is pastoring in Minnesota. And there's a couple in their church, both husband and wife, 27 years old. She's about, she was about seven months pregnant. She was in someone's home, and she was feeling a little dizzy. And she asked for a glass of water, and she fainted while she was drinking the water. And she fell on the glass, and it shattered, and it punctured her juggler vein. Person called 911, tried to stem the flow, but she passed en route to the hospital. And she gets to the hospital, and everybody gets to the hospital, and, and now she has a seven-month-old, so they say, well, we need, let's try to deliver the baby. The baby has been in intensive care, and they are crying out. It's a serious situation. They're thinking that if there's no change, they'll take off the life support tomorrow. They, they had, yesterday, they had one hour of prayer in the church for this baby. Did you think that people who came were interested in trying to be eloquent before God? When you hear that, you don't care what you sound like. You, your heart just goes out and you begin to cry out to God. There's something that kicks in. I, I, I'm praying that that should kick in all the time. That God, by his grace, should help us get this mindset out and stop underestimating the potential of our prayer. See, the devil will want you to think your prayers are not going to accomplish anything because he wants you to stop praying. Because he knows the promise of God's word that we're to ask in anything, it will be done by my Father in heaven, you see. That's why we gather every Wednesday. To cry out to God together as a church family and say, God, we need you to do something here. And I don't care what I sound like. You know, when you're in trouble, you could care less what it sounds like, right? You're not interested in how you look anymore. You're crying out to God, God, I need a miracle. And these precious people, unnamed, received a miracle that day because they brought somebody in prayer to Jesus. Your prayers has the potential to bring a miracle into people's lives. To see God do what only he is capable of doing in people's lives. So never underestimate the potential of your prayers. Now listen, the Lord took this man aside, away from the crowd, and there he did a miracle. Let's modernize it today. There are miracles that God does when the crowd is around. Let's use the crowd as a church service. There are miracles that God does in, in changing people's lives, transforming people's lives in the atmosphere of a church service. But there's also a work that God does in people's lives away from the crowd. Here's the third point. Never 
underestimate the potential of being alone with Jesus. Some of the Lord's deepest work, some of his deepest transformation in our lives takes place away from the crowd. Listen to me now. Because there's some of us, we, we have difficulty in being alone with the Lord. And that's because we've also believed the lie that because we're nobody special, because we don't have the biblical understanding maybe uh, that others have, whatever the reason why, none of them are actually true uh, and accurate. But because we feel, man, when I read this book, nothing happens. I won't ask for a show of hands, but, but I know that that's true for many of you. And so you struggle being alone with God because you feel like, I'm alone and I read my Bible, but nothing. And I pray, but it feels like my prayers are hitting the ceiling and then coming right back at me. Nothing. And we bought into the lie that because nothing is going on, why do it? You see? But nothing could be further from the truth. There is incredible potential for God to do a deep work in your heart if you allow him to take you away from the crowd. You see, sometimes, here's part of the problem. I don't feel at home the way I feel when I'm in church. Now, there's a special blessing, don't get me wrong, when we gather together and we praise the Lord together and all that, and Pastor Jason and the team, they do a wonderful, incredible job, and, and that's wonderful. But God could be just as wonderful at home. See, it's our mindset. Do we expect that? Some of us really don't expect that. So remember the Bible says, if you don't expect it, then you're not going to receive it. I expect to meet with God, not because I'm a pastor, but because I believe the truth of his word. God is just as anxious, if I could use the word anxious, to meet with me as I am to meet with him. God wants to reveal himself to me as I spend time alone in his presence. And some of the deepest work that God has done in my life hasn't come in the atmosphere of a church service. It's been when I've been alone with God. Because when I'm alone with God, I hear his voice speaking to me clearly and dealing with things that can get camouflaged in the atmosphere of a church service. Right? We know that there's things that you, uh, yeah, that's great, I don't want to deal with that, I'm worshiping God. But then you go home and everything gets quiet, and then you're reading your Bible, and all of a sudden, God begins to speak. And all of a sudden, now you realize, God wants to deal with something in my life, you see. That's why we should never underestimate the potential of being alone with God. Listen, it's where he opens our ears, Before I open up my Bible, it's a simple prayer I pray. God, open up my eyes. I want to see wonderful things in your word. God, open up my ears. Not these, the ears of my heart. I want to hear your voice. Every child of God should hear the voice of their Father in heaven. And if you've not heard his voice... It's because of this simple thing. You don't believe he wants to speak to you. You bought into the lie that it's not for you. But you have a father in heaven that loves you. And if you will 
go before him, he will open up your ears and you will hear his voice. Not only that, listen, it's in that quiet time where God will also open up your mouth so that you will speak clearly. Now, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about praising the Lord and praying. There are some of us that we get stymied in that area. Even in church, we're respectful during the worship, but we have never been free to begin the worship. I know I was there at one point in my life, especially in the early part of my Christian life. I was, I was in that point where I, I, I was ashamed to open up my mouth because I didn't know what I was saying, and I was afraid of sounding stupid. i never done that before and all that kind of stuff. And it was in my alone time with God that I just began to pray. And as I began to just ask God to help me, little by little, I, if I could use the word, my vocabulary to worship God and praise him began to build, you see. But now here's the thing. He put spit on his finger and then touched the man's tongue. Everybody say, ooh. <laughs> this is the only place that records Jesus doing something like that. And I don't know about you, but the first question I had for the Lord was, why would you do that? I mean, come on, oh, God. I mean, Jesus didn't have to do that. He could just say, hey, be opened, and it would have been opened. But why did he do that? And what does that have to do with you and I? Here's the simple thought that God gave me. Sometimes, before I do the deepest work, I have to do something that's unpleasant to you. I have to come to you and, and tell you, I'm going to do something that you're not going to be happy with. You, your immediate reaction is going to be to shy away. But if you will yield you will see the miracle, you see. You will see the miracle. Worship team, if you would come and help me, please. Think about this, too. Because of this incredible event, this phenomenal event that you had in this area that they were full of Gentiles. They were not believers. They did not follow uh, the Lord or believe in the Lord. And yet, because of one man's story, because one man went to this town back home and told everybody what Jesus had done for him. He did not preach. He didn't know how to preach. All he said was, hey, this is what God, once I was under the control of evil spirits and Jesus set me free. That was his story. And he told it to everybody. And because he did that, it paved the way so that when Jesus came on the scene, everybody already knew that's the guy. That's the guy that freed our friend. And next thing you know, they're the ones bringing somebody to Jesus. Do you see the legacy of that? That because one man 
told his story to people he came in contact with. It, it just did something in their hearts. Not at that single moment, perhaps, but it prepared their heart so that when the Lord visited, they all knew, that's the healer. Get this guy. Get this guy. Jesus, we need you to heal him. We need you to do what you did to our friend. And Jesus' heart was moved. He could have easily said, you're not part of my people. You don't believe in me the way they do. You don't follow me. But none of that was said by the Lord. Instead, he took the man aside and said, come here. And he probably, because the man couldn't speak or hear, he probably did this so that the man would know, I'm about to do something in your ears. And he spit. And he looked up to heaven to send a message even to the man. Here's where all source of healing and deliverance comes from. Be open. And immediately was open. Now, if the story stopped there, would not be phenomenal? But it doesn't stop there. Because then Jesus goes on and says, hey, I don't want you guys to tell anybody what happened here. Because remember, he took them away from the crowd. But did they listen? They couldn't help it. No, hey, guys, you got to, you know what Jesus did. And all of a sudden, these guys that were there that experienced the miracle, the, some people go around telling everybody else. Now they're becoming evangelists. And the testimony that the Lord had in a town where they were all unbelievers, the testimony was, he's done everything well. What a testimony. See, it wasn't about the some people. It's not about you and me. It's about we want people to say, Jesus, he does everything well. Amen. We want him to get all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Amen. Father, this morning as we gather around your throne of grace, I thank you for everything that you have done in our hearts in our lives, in this place. I thank you that every single one of us as your children has a story to tell. We all, oh God, have a story that we can declare your goodness through. That we can tell others of what you have done for us. That the joy that you have brought into our life, oh God. The freedom that we have in that precious name that's above every other name. And I pray today, God, that from this moment forward, none of us would ever underestimate the potential of our story. That we would receive from you the grace we need and the boldness that we will tell people we come in contact with, our home, our family, our friends, oh God, our co-workers, our neighbors, oh God, whomever you lead us to, the simple story of what you have done for us. Because we never know the impact that it could have and how far it will stretch into the future. I thank you, Lord, that we have the promises in your word that whatever we would ask for in your name, the Father would do. I pray that we would never underestimate the potential of our praying. 
I come against every lie of Satan that tells us that we don't know how to pray, that our words are never going to amount to anything, our prayers are never going to amount to anything, that nothing ever happens, so why continue to pray? You heard the begging that day of some people that didn't even follow you, and they received what they desired. God, I pray that we would recognize that because we are your children, you are eager and ready to pour out blessings on the lives of people that we pray for, oh God. I pray that more than ever before, we would begin to pray on behalf of our family members that don't know you, of our friends, our co-workers, oh God, and that we would continue to lift up our voice, begging you, oh God, to do what only you can do in their lives until we receive that miracle. And I pray for us, Lord, that our time alone with you from this moment forward would be revolutionized. We will never ever underestimate the potential of you changing our lives and spending the more time with you. Once again, I curse that lie that tells us we will never understand the Bible, that we don't know how to pray, so God will never going to listen, that we're never going to experience what other people experience. Lord, I pray that you will open up the ears of every single child of God so that we will hear clearly the voice of the Lord. I pray, Father, that you will open up and loosen our tongue so that we will begin to praise and prayer like never before when we were alone with you, God. That even our home would be filled with our voices, oh God, as we now exalt your name, oh God, and as we call upon your name so that the testimony of those that see our lives and the lives of those that will be impacted through our story and through our prayer will be Jesus does all things well that's the testimony we want to have oh God that's the testimony we want to hear Father we want your name and your name alone Jesus to be glorified and so we're confident that you have heard this prayer and you will respond accordingly for the glory of your name and all God's people said one more time amen and amen come on put your hands together bless the Lord now here's how I'm going to dismiss you I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and encourage them and tell them your story has great potential Come on, turn this on by telling your story has great potential.